Okay, guys, uh, uh, grab your Bibles and open them to uh, Romans uh, 16 for the next to the last time. Um, I, I want to take you back to uh, verse 20, uh, the, the, just the last half of it, which is what we is really what we talked about last night, uh, last week, um, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And, and I, I spent the night <clears throat> talking to you about grace. And um, um, I, I want to talk to you about it some more. <laughs> and and you, you might think you're making an awful lot about um, that. But, you know, it's kind of hard to make too much of grace. Um, it really pretty much is the, the summary term and summary concept in, in all of Christendom, I, I would think. Maybe, maybe the sovereignty of God, or, or, but, but grace is one of those words that's so pregnant with meaning. Um, and, I, and I just didn't want to... Um, I didn't want to shortchange it, but there's several things that I, I needed to say about it that, um, that, in addition to what we said last week, you, you might recall that uh, we really went to Romans chapter 5 and we looked at that word parasuo, um, uh, which is the word to, um, to abound, and, but it's got that, um, this always does that, um, yeah, um, uh, suo, but it's got that hooper in the front of it. It, it doesn't just abound, it hyper abounds. Um, that where, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Uh, it wasn't that, that, that grace just balanced off sin. Oh, no, no, no. The only thing that could take the field against sin and the reign of sin was the reign of grace. Um, and, the, and the thing that I was keen to try and convey is that the, the word has got a whole lot of substance in it that, that, we, um, that we don't want to miss. And one of the things that I said to you last week is that, that that text in Romans 5 talks about the reign of grace. It's not just grace, it's the reign, R-E-I-G-N, that grace reigns like sin once did. Grace now reigns. This, this super abounding grace reigns. Uh, it, it has to do with a, a, a domination of one's life, and that, and that it, um, it, it reigns. It's a, um, it's a, a, a reign of righteousness. So to to make it mushy, to to eliminate its content, is just a real disaster. Uh, and and I, I want to show you a little bit of that tonight, or why I call it a disaster. But that's what we talked about last week. The um, that, that's, that grace is never comfortable with sin. That's really what we were talking about last week. I want to show you one quick text about that, and then we'll move on from there. But it's, uh, this is in the book of Titus, and, I, and I'd like for you to turn there. I'd like for you to see it um, in Titus chapter 2, uh, just concerning this, this, this one point about um, Grace reigns in righteousness. It's never comfortable with sin. It doesn't, it doesn't make excuses for sin. It doesn't um, uh, cozy up to sin. It's not, it's not um, um, gentle with sin. And I, I want to read you this statement that the Apostle Paul makes in, in the book of Titus, chapter 2. And I, and I think this pretty much summarizes what I would love to say. And, of course, says it so much better. But For the grace of God has appeared... Okay, there's the subject. Grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us. Now, what's training us? 
Well, this is Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Um, uh, something is training us. What's training us? Well, it's the grace of God. The grace of God that's appeared is training us. Okay, what's the training? What's the object of the training of grace? Grace is training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. It's training us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Grace is training us to wait for our blessed hope, the appearance of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for us to redeem us from every lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. There's nothing, there's nothing about that that could make us comfortable with sin. This grace that has appeared has trained us or is seeking to train us to renounce ungodliness and to renounce worldly passions and to live self-control, upright, godly lives in this present age. That's what grace does. Grace doesn't make us comfortable with our sins. Oh, well, God forgives it all. Well, God does forgive our sin. But this grace makes us uncomfortable with our sin. It's not mushy. It's not hollow. It's not eviscerated. It's not weak. It's not mushy. It's a grace that teaches us to hate our sin. It's a grace that reigns in righteousness. And that's what the, that text in Romans 5, verse 21 says. It reigns in righteousness. And there it is right there. There it's reigning because it's training us. It's training us to do these things. Now, that, that was just kind of the last comment I wanted to make about grace having, having poured into it the right biblical content. But we're not done with that. There's more. Uh, for instance... Uh, so we've looked at, um, at grace as a, in its saving dimension, but there's, it's, it's mentioned in different ways in the, in the New Testament. Uh, for instance, um, if, you, if you can find this real quick, you don't, you don't need to. You maybe jot it down if you like. But um, th- this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse, um, oh, verse 12, I think. Um, um, yes. Uh, for our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience that we have behaved in a world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God. Do, do you see that, what, what Paul says? This is our boast, the testimony of our conscience, that we behaved. We behaved in a certain way. Well, what was it that, that motivated? What was it that empowered that, that behavior that was consistent with the gospel? Oh, it was the grace of God. Do you see that? Um, flip over just a couple of pages back to the left, and um, he says something similar, not real similar, but this is in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, uh, where he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. You know, oh, oh um, on the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. Do you, do you hear what he's saying? What is it? Not only did grace save me, yeah, it did. It's a provision for all my sin. 
But grace is this thing that motivates me. Grace is this stuff that enables me to, you know, to, 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 to live apart from this godless world and, and to, uh, with simplicity and godly sincerity, not an earthly. What does that? Grace does that. Grace is this empowering stuff. It's not some kind of celestial electricity. It's, a, it's, a, it's an understanding of who God is that not only establishes a, a platform to save somebody as wicked as me or as I, it also, it also motivates me to live in a certain way. Um, not only that, the word is used, the, the word grace is used as a um, synonym for spiritual gifts. You got some spiritual gifts, do you? Well, Peter uses the word in 1 Peter chapter 4. He says, um, um, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. You got a spiritual gift, do you? Well, the, 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 the New Testament uses the word to, as a synonym for that gift. It's a gracing. It's a gifting. Um, so it, it, we, we, we talked about it as we talked about common grace. We've talked about saving grace. We've talked about empowering grace. We've talked about, uh, um, uh, grace being used as a synonym for gifts. Well, um, it's also used very interestingly, um, uh, to describe giving, giving money in, in, uh, second Corinthians eight verses six and seven and verse 19. Um, the giving of money is called grace grace. How about that? Um, or, or how about this interesting statement? And this is, this is really an odd one. Uh, this is in second Corinthians chapter one, verse 15, uh, where Paul says, because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first so that you might have a second experience of grace. Uh Oh, you mean to tell me there's a second experience of grace? No, I don't mean to tell you that. Honestly, um, what I, what I think that is all about has to do with just a second visit on the part of Paul. But the idea that he, he called his visit to Corinth a grace. <laughs> just another usage of the, another New Testament use of, usage of the word. Then, then one final one. Um, in 2 Peter, um, Peter says this in verse 18, uh, 3.18. He says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is something in which you might grow. I mean, grace grows. It gets bigger. Um, James uh, says something very similar to that in chapter 4 when he talks about, um, uh, but he gives more grace. So I can have one amount of grace today, but more of it tomorrow because grace grows. This, This understanding of what grace is. Now, what I've sought to do with that is simply show you some of the ways that the New Testament uses the word. The various ways that the New Testament uses the word. But here, ladies and gentlemen, is where the rubber meets the road. I'd like for you, if you've got anywhere close to a Bible, I'd like for you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is a text that most of us have heard a lot, or we've heard it before. But this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. 
And Paul says three times, I pleaded with the Lord about this, about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, that is, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, here, here's where it becomes important um, as to how you understand the word. <laughs> if grace is sufficient, or at least supposed to be, what is grace? What is supposed to be sufficient? Is that just some churchy word that we like to sing and put in our hymnology? Paul is in, a, in, a, in this section of the Second Corinthians. He's defending his ministry against criticisms. And it's very interesting the way he, you know, he talks about, okay, you're making me do this. You're making me boast. I don't want to boast, but I'm going to have to boast because these guys are saying this about me. And then he comes over to chapter 12 and he says, okay, I'll tell you this. Not only will I uh, um, um, boast about my ministerial experience, but I'm going to boast. He says in verse 1, I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. And then he talks about that experience, you know, I don't know who it was, the third heaven, he went up the third heaven, and, you know, yada, yada, yada. I can't even talk about it, you know. It was, and, um, but, but he says, but, you know, because God gave me this, this incredible experience to keep me from getting too big for my britches, he gave me a thorn in the flesh. Now, there's a lot of discussion about what the thorn in the flesh is. Most people think it has something to do with his eyes, but who, who knows what it was? He never tells us. Um, but that Paul had some kind of physical malady that was designed to keep him from getting too big for his britches because he'd had this experience. Are you with me? Um, you know, got this, this, this elevated experience, you know, nobody else has had this before, you know, mm, I'm pretty special. And so to keep him from thinking like that, God, God gives him some kind of affliction. And so he, he goes to God and says, God, please, three times he says, three times I begged him, please, God, would you, would you take this thing away? I don't want it anymore. Take this thorn out of my flesh. And God says, no, no, I'm not. And then what does he say? Because Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. What did he say? What did God say with that? Hey, Paul, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, my grace, I don't know what that word means, but, you know, it sounds good, and it's a nice churchy word, and they use it a lot over there at Grace of Man because they got it in their name. So um, uh, my grace is sufficient for you. Do you think Paul was satisfied with that? You see, how you understand that word is, is pretty important now. Because God just told us that grace is supposed to be sufficient. So if it's supposed to be sufficient for the people of God, it would be nice to know what it is. Don't you agree? What is God saying to Paul? Is it it idle comfort that God has for Paul? Is it some kind of pious platitude? Oh, Paul, don't worry about your your aging body. Oh, don't worry about that at all. My grace is sufficient for you. (laughs) How do you think Paul heard that? What do you think he thought? Well, what is it, God, that's supposed to be sufficient for me? Your grace? Oh, I understand. Do you? Do you understand what is supposed to be sufficient for us? 
Do you understand what's in the word? Because if you don't, ladies and gentlemen, then stop talking about, oh, I'm sufficient grace. What does that mean? It means a lot. I'll tell you a couple of three things it means. But do you see, guys, if you empty the word of its biblical content, then this says nothing. That is, um, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, says nothing because the word's been emptied. If you turn it into some license for sin, is that what God's saying? Hey, Paul, I'll tell you what's sufficient for you over there, old buddy. Uh, You know, I'm giving you a license to sin. You know, it's called grace. Is that what he said? Do you think Paul went to his bedroom and said, hmm, I wonder what God meant by grace. No, ladies and gentlemen. He's the one that used the word over and over in different contexts, in different ways, again and again. What is it, ladies and gentlemen, that's supposed to be sufficient for us? Grace. Does that satisfy you? It ought not. Until you understand the content of the word. And by the way, I mean, I'm telling you, I can't drain the content of the word. But I can tell you a couple of three things that, that, I, that I know it means. Here's the first thing it means. Forgiveness of sin. Paul, one of the things that you should prize above a whole lot of stuff is that you're forgiven. My grace is sufficient for you. So you got a, 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 um, I don't know, some kind of debilitating disease. But let me tell you what else you got. You got forgiveness. Forgiveness, ladies and gentlemen. Now, if you will just go home tonight and lie in your bed and start thinking of those skeletons that are hanging in your closet, then it might be nice for somebody to say to you, grace is sufficient. You know, we sing a song. I think I've sung it here recently, but uh, you know how I love to sing. Um, And I I never will forget... um, um, Maybe I told you this story before. Some of you haven't heard it. Um, in the middle of it, all of you who have heard it, just lift your hand. <laughs> but um, we were having one of those dessert things or supper things in, um, in, um, in our house years ago. And uh, this woman came, a single woman came, and, um, and she had gone through a divorce. And, and um, she was telling me about... Um, um, the affair that led to the divorce, you know, which is, yeah, yeah, I've heard that one before. I mean, you know, yeah, that's always, you know. And, and so I was just reacting with just indig- uh, indignation, you know, that jackass of a man that's done this terrible thing to this sweet little girl. And I, and I said something like that to her. And um, I'll get him for you, you know, that kind of. Big Jim will ride to the rescue. And she leaned a little bit closer to me and she said, no, no, it was me. Um, but I 
grabbed that little girl and I pulled her close to me and I sang to her in my kitchen. And here's what I sang. Grace that is greater than all our sin. One of the things, ladies and gentlemen, that is sufficient is grace that is greater than all my sin. And Paul, that's enough for you. That's enough for you. You darn tootin' he heard that in the Word. I'll tell you something else he heard in the Word, I'm, I'm convinced. Is a, is a word of personal approval. Not, oh, Paul, you're pretty impressive, but you know, um, uh, you know, uh, I, I've really been impressed with all your work that you've been doing on the mission field. Yeah, you know, I, I, really, I really like what you're doing there, son. I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm talking about a sense, ladies and gentlemen, that, that my personal worth is tied up in the, in the approbation of God. That is, that my value as a human being doesn't depend on what kind of producer I am. Um, that I was, you know, guys, early on, <laughs> early on, we all get the message. We all get the message. You perform well, we like you. You don't perform well, it's going to be bad. You know, um, I was a baseball player um, and a very good one. <laughs> I mean, the older I get, the better I was. I mean, <laughs> um, but, but guys, um, I, this is embarrassing to even admit to. But I can still remember one particular play I made. I played on a team that the man owned a company called Polarcraft. And um, um, his son was really, well, his son and me <laughs> were the stars. Um, but <laughs> more so. so <laughs> my wife knows the truth about all this. But, um, but anyway, uh, we had a team. It was called Polarcraft, and Polarcraft used to make boats. Some of you might have a fishing boat by Polarcraft. Well, that was owned by Lewis Jones, and Lewis Jones, would, we went to all these little cities, all these little cities in, in, in North Mississippi and Eastern, Ar- uh, yeah, Eastern Arkansas, um, and here's what Mr. Jones would do. He would, he would give away a boat. He would give away a, a, you know, a, a aluminum fishing boat, and he would bring his team over um, and challenge the whole city to a baseball game. You get the finest players you've got in your whole city, and we're going to bring our team over, and at the seventh inning, we'll pull a raffle, and, you know, and I mean, these little towns came out in droves to see, and of course, his son was pitching, and he was good, um, and we, we would go through there and just, you know, they'd, they'd get their best starting nine, and I mean, we would just trounce them. And, um, I mean, there's big crowds, uh, you know, big night in, you know, Eupora, Mississippi, or whatever it was, you know. Mosquitoes and hot and, you know, bad lighting on the fields. We got the boat and got the people and got the teams, and here we were. And, and there was a, you know, a swinging foul, I mean, you know, a swing, well, you, it's a foul ball. But, you know, most of the foul balls go, you know, but um, this foul ball you know, it didn't go very high, and it was about from me to that table. And I've got all this K-9 
fetching gear on, you know, and, and um, so, mm-mm. and I go after that thing. And, you know, ladies and gentlemen, I only have two speeds, high and off. Um, and I played baseball that way. I really wasn't that good. I just out-hustled everybody else. Um, but I went after that baseball and, you know, just kind of, you know, one of those diving things where, you know, it was just, it was on ESPN, I'm sure. Uh, but I mean, everybody in the stands just, whoa, yeah. that was wonderful. I can still feel that. Because we learn early on, ladies and gentlemen, that if our performance is good, if our performance is bad, and in the gospel, I am approved, not on the basis of my performance. I'm approved on the basis of Christ's performance. Because, ladies and gentlemen, my performance stinks. And so does yours. We're far more wicked than we ever dreamed. Far more. And grace is the stuff that will allow you to admit it. But I'm approved. Not because I did well. But because I'm in union with Jesus Christ. Is that enough? Is that sufficient? Because it's supposed to be. Grace, my grace, is sufficient for you. The other thing, which is rather obvious and almost related to the others, but I'm loved. And God's love doesn't recognize value, it creates it. God doesn't look at Jimmy Young and say, um, oh, 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 I remember that catch you made in you poor Mississippi, uh, wherever you were. Uh, I remember that, and that was pretty impressive. And, uh, you know, you were quite a hustler. And, you know, when, when I was a senior at UT, we played for the SEC championship. And um, um, we played Mississippi State. It was long before they did it like they did. It was just the Eastern Division winner and the Western Division winner pitted against for two out of three. And um, the Memphis Papers got a hold of it. And, or, of course they would. I mean, it was the SEC championship. And, and um, you, know, you know what? how they described me? <laughs> Pepper pot. <laughs> Isn't that precious? <laughs> the pepper pot catcher. Well, that's, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. That's, I mean, that's, that's about all I offered was a bunch of pepper. <laughs> um, but... God's love was not mine because he recognized value in me. He loved me and he created value in me. Is that enough for you? My grace is sufficient, or at least it's supposed to be. But is it? No, 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 no. No, I need, um, 
I need exotic vacations. And I need all my kids to grow up exactly the way I want them to grow up. And I need this and I need that, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, that's because, number one, we've believed a lie. Number two, we do not understand what's poured into the word grace. The Apostle Paul is feeling pretty attacked. He's, um, he's being misrepresented. And God says, that's okay, Paul. That's okay. My grace. That's enough for you. And it was. It's just not enough for us. And I don't know what else you want God to do for you. I don't know what else he can, how else can he express the beauty of his salvation than in the giving of his son. Is that not enough? It's supposed to be. And by the way, the, 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 the one thing that I would point out, that was God who said that. That wasn't Paul who said that. God said to Paul, in response to his request to take away this thorn, God said to Paul, he said, no, Paul. Because I want you living your life, resting in, trusting on, being motivated by, glorying in my grace. So ladies and gentlemen, don't you dare make that word mushy. My whole Christian experience is banking on it. And so is yours. What is meant by grace is supposed to be enough for us. And then we dabble with the word and suck all the meaning out of it and turn it into something that's flimsy. It's not. By the way, I've given you three things. I'm sure smarter people could give you six more. But those three things, that I'm forgiven, that I'm loved, and that I'm approved. That ought to be enough. Is it? Father, I do pray that you will um, overwhelm us with the beauties of the gospel. The beauties of grace. The beauties of a gospel of grace. Would you overwhelm us, O God, with the... um, with the insight that that simple word gives us into your nature and to your saving work on our behalf through Jesus Christ and him only. Father, forgive us that we are so dissatisfied, even in the gospel. Forgive us that... Um, that um, we keep asking for some other kind of 
prompt to make us into the people um, that we were called to be when all we need is the beauties of the gospel. The beauties of the gospel of grace, which um, has been uh, ridden roughshod over in, of late. And I pray that you will um, give us a richer and a deeper and a more profound appreciation of the great glories of the gospel of grace. And we pray, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks and good night.